Well, if you have your Bible with you, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 31 today. And in this chapter is what I like to call one that is, well, short and sweet, but yet small but impactful. As every chapter is in the Bible, no matter what the size of it is. But, you know, again, uh, we're going to be looking at 18 verses today, but it's going to cover quite a bit, uh, quite a bit of interesting things. But as always, I like to uh, recap on where we've been, just in case um, if you've been following along um, Or if you haven't and you're just jumping into this particular chapter, I always like to recap where we've been to kind of uh, follow into the footsteps of the new terrain that we're going into. And, you know, last time in chapter 30, uh, there was a, um, some designs on some more things here on the altar of incense uh, in regards to the entrance of the tabernacle. There was also a form of ransom money that was to be um, collected by God, which in the form of uh, ancient day tithing is where this would almost begin. Um, And then, you know, there was also the uh, the uh, holy anointing oil on how that was to be done and uh, the incense uh, that God had uh, commanded in the form of, of a particular design. Uh, there was a particular design of incense that was to be used as for as the form of like an ancient perfumer. And it was to be used for God and God only. No one was supposed to use it for themselves or for any other reason. And if they were, they were to be well, basically cast off from the people. So, you know, again, God was looking at... God was looking at his relationship with the people on how to worship him and the importance of that. But, you know, now God kind of steps into another realm here and on who he uses in, in certain things. And he, it's interesting because he gives us talents. And as we're going to see, he gave other people some talents that they never had. And, you know, you ever said to yourself, like, God, what is my talents? You know, and you'll find out one day, depending on how young you are and where you're at. See, he gives everybody something. Some people say that I don't have any talent. That's not true. You know, we, we could look at something and be like, the reason why we say that is because we look at others who were maybe like some sort of phenom of a sense in their talents. And, and we like to look at ourselves and say that I don't possess anything. But you see, we do possess something. It could just be one. It could be numerous things. But you have at least one. But it's not important. That's not true either. That's in the eyes of the beholder. See, if God gives you a gift, if he gives you a particular talent, the question is, is not what kind of talent is it, but what do you do with it? And what are you doing with it? And is it in the glory of God? You know, that's what we need to ask ourselves. But, you know, what's amazing is God has the ability to give you something out of nowhere, and we're going to see that. And... Again, you know, do we, what do we use it for? How do we use it? And do we use it in His glory? And so, glory to be to God uh, for all things. Uh, you know, I, I wish there were, <laughs> you know, I wish I had particular talents that I don't have, and I think that's in all of us, but God chose not to let me do that. But, you know, I, I'm not mechanically inclined. I, I certainly wish I could be. I would have been able to save myself a lot of, a lot of um, money and, and uh, headache, if you will, if I knew how to work on a car. Um, you know, not everybody was meant to be a doctor. Not everybody was meant to be an artist. And um, many people have different, different skills that were given to them. And God uses them all. But again, the question is, is how do we use them for God? And so, again, I want to encourage us to, uh, to take a look and ask God if we, if, if we want something, may we ask him for it and, and see what he does with it. But he's given you something. And, and I think the right question is, is that, God, what can I do for you? What can, how can I use this for you and your glory? 
So, if you have your Bible, we're going to be again looking at chapter 31, and we're going to be starting off in verse 1 through 6. And it says here, And then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of, of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and in all manner of workmanship, to design artistic works, to work in gold, in silver, in bronze, in cutting jewels for setting in carving wood, and, and to work in all manner of workmanship. And I indeed, I have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahishamach, uh, the tribe of Dan. And I have put wisdom in the hearts of all these gifted artisans, that they may make all that I have commanded you. Now, we see two with exceptional uh, craftsmanship skills, gold, silver, and metals, woodworking, and so on. Now, what we see here is interesting because we see that God blesses them with the ability and the ability right there and then. See, stuff like this requires years of work and practice just to, just to be halfway decent. And, and none of these gifts, none of these talents are easy to just pick up. But, see, what was typical, especially for Jewish males, is the father, if, if he is skilled in something, he would train uh, his son or their sons in their trade or their craft. And, and they would start a lot of times right at the age of five years old. It, it was the tradition. It was the custom of the day. Because we look at the New Testament, and we know that our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus, was a carpenter until the age of 30 when he began his ministry. His earthly father, Joseph, he was a carpenter. Uh, we can look at Paul the Apostle. Paul was a tent maker. Well, most likely so was his father. And then we have John and Peter, which were fishermen. And we know that John and James, the son of Zebedee, their, uh, their father was as well, because he was with them at the boat when Jesus called them. But in this case, God gave the gift right then and there. Automatic skill, right? There was no apprenticeship. There was no schooling. It was just right there on the spot ability. Why? Why? Because God sees things in people that others do not. See, God's seen the truth in these men within their hearts toward him and the blessings came. Now, perhaps some of you can relate with the, within the gifts that God has given you. Uh, be, before I ever became a teacher, I was a drummer. I was a percussionist on the worship team, and I did that for 12 years. And my mother, uh, my mother was a drummer, and she played in many bands as I was growing up. And I used to sleep behind her drums during practices. And I one day was able to sit down and play to an extent at the age of 12 or 13 years old. And my start began when I was asked to uh, be a backup drummer on the worship team. But I, was, I, I said, I haven't played on a set or on a full set in about 11 years. But I, I did it by the grace of God. Everything came, uh, came out just fine. And I will never forget that day. I, I never took a lesson. But you see, God uses people with their many gifts. It may not always be in theological abilities, but he uses them in the particular gifts. Uh, that one of the best examples of that is in Romans chapter 12 on the list of gifts. And to use them to the fullest extent. Let them use those gifts to the fullest extent, it says. And if the Lord has blessed us with a gift of any kind, it wasn't for us to use strictly for our own selfish desires. 
Because again, another New Testament example from Paul the Apostle is in Colossians chapter 3, where he says, Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. So, so God said, I put the wisdom in their hearts. Now, we were given a couple of names, but God said in, in, in all the gifted artesians, and we don't want to let our gifts collect dust as we are here on earth for a time. So many feel that they never got to go to a, they never got to go to a certain place. They never got to do something adventurous. And those things are fine. But but they are accomplished. But they're accomplished. And when they and then when we sit there and we say, now what? Well, that that's a tough place to be. <laughs> the thing the thing that were done for the things that were done for the Lord were never fading. See, everything that was done for the Lord was always remembered, and more importantly, remembered by Him. And that's where the blessings is. is It's the most edifying thing that we could do on earth and what we do for the Lord. So let's take a look here in verses 7 through 11 here. And it says, The tabernacle of meeting, the ark of the testimony, and the mercy seat that is on it, and all the furniture of the tabernacle... The table and its utensils, the pure gold lampstand with all its utensils, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering with its utensils, and the laver and its base, and uh, the garments of ministry, the holy garments of Aaron, for Aaron the priest, and for the garments of his sons, to minister as priests. And the anointing oil is sweet incense for the holy place, according to all that I have commanded you that you shall do. So inside the tabernacle... Inside the tabernacle was the order of things to be in place. So we had utensils, anointing oil, clothing items. And someone was delegated to make sure that all of these things were where they were supposed to be. Now, when looking at the positions of people that God delegated from wherever and, and whatever, it was, it, it was. It was an honor for them. Okay, see, to the Lord, he designed what we did. But what he was looking for was how we did it. Looking at what is done in the church or what is done in our society is a need, okay? It is a need. The key is doing it with passion as it is your position that God gave. The metal workers, the woodworkers were there to do the work of God, but the heart and what they did is what God is looking for. If someone is assigned to make sure that the anointing oil is filled... If someone is assigned to arrange the utensils or to build something, then may it be done with love and passion because it, it, is a, um, it was a God-chosen task. I like to think of restaurants, and I've, uh, I've, never heard, I've never heard the servers wish that they were the chefs, nor have I ever heard the chefs want to be servers. All that I have commanded you, they shall do, said God in verse 11. And everything and everyone coming together to do what needed to be done. And again, I love what Paul says in the introduction of his epistles. I, Paul, a bondservant of Christ, or he'll say, I, Paul, an apostle of Christ by the will of God. It is the most humble but yet accurate statement that one can make about themselves. We are all whatever we are by the will of God. Some may be a cab driver by the will of God. All right? Are we joyous in what we do? Some may be an executive or a business uh, owner by the will of God. Are we joyous in what we do by the will of God? Growing up there, uh, growing up there, 
uh, are things that we had in mind that we wanted to do, and sometimes they're accomplished, sometimes not. Why? Because it was the will of God. Now, these metal workers that God blessed most likely did not have a career choice to be metal workers or woodworkers. Or maybe perhaps they did and God blessed them with the ability. See, it doesn't say. But when the Lord gives us a place in his work, by all means rejoice because every talent is a gift. Thank God for people who are gifted in what they do. See, again, I wish I were a gifted mechanic, as I said, but I'm sure everyone wishes they could be. But I'm not mechanically inclined. God gave me musical abilities. And I just found out that not too long ago that I have um, that I have some decent painting abilities. <laughs> but we all we all come together to make things work for Him and by Him. Be, be thankful for one another and what God gives them and, and what He commanded for them to do. Because not everyone is called to the military or to the police force. Not all are called to be firefighters. But even they need people to be there for them during their hardest times. So thank God for chaplains who are there during the darkest times for these men and women. I'm just naming off uh, different things of service to one another and to God. But now we will see more instruction from God as he uses Moses to be the instructor and messenger in his calling in verse 12. So let's look at verse 12 to 14. And it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbaths you shall keep. For it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people." You know, when we went over the Ten Commandments a while back, uh, the Sabbath was the one with a lot of details explained in the commandments. But God brings it up again, but with some serious repercussions for breaking the Sabbath. Now, now I understand why the Jewish people created so many laws on what to do and not to do on the Sabbath. Because there are laws in what is called uh, the Jewish Talmud. And also, uh, the one with the majority of the Sabbath laws is in a book what's called the Book of Jubilees. And there's about 39 Sabbath laws on what not to do on that day. But to profane it, to, profro- to profane it was to be put to death. If work is done, then they are to be put out from the people. So there were two things to look at in how God instituted this. The one was for rest on the people's benefit... Because he says, don't work one day. It is been, you know, don't work one day. Why? It's beneficial medically. And it has been proven as well. Uh, but if they were working, if they were working, then they were focusing on themselves, all right, or someone else or something in regards to their own personal gain instead of the Lord. But now to profane the Sabbath to where one would be put to death was a serious thing because God is long-suffering, Uh, God puts up with more than any patient group of people put together can put up with. And the second outlook was to, to, to spend it with God and to remember Him in worship. If that was not done, if the Sabbath was not done in the way that God commanded the people, you know, the people would forget what God had done. So if it is not done in the way that God commanded, then people would profane the Sabbath and it would cost them their life. 
Now, I may have gone over this uh, in the commandments sermon that I did, but I, I can't remember. Uh, but the ways, but the way that the Jews celebrate the Sabbath is from from sunset of Friday to the sun until sunset of, of Saturday through Saturday. So that is technically when the Sabbath was observed. And it is still taken pretty seriously, to my understanding. People in certain neighborhoods um, in in Israel or Jerusalem area have um, have driven down a street on the Sabbath, and people would throw rocks at the car in the form of an old-fashioned uh, stoning. And I heard that there are Sabbath elevators, or something to the extent, all right, that the Gentiles would use uh, a different one in, in Israel because they had like Sabbath and, and, and um, regular elevators. But but again, see, the key here was in sanctifying this day in the form of holiness to God. Over time, I have learned the importance of spending that special time with God. We celebrate on Sunday in what we call the Lord's Day. But you see, every day is the Lord's day to us. I heard a saying once that someone said, I heard somebody call us a group of people SMOs, which means S-M-O-E or whatever, or S-M-O-S, which means Sunday mornings only. (laughs) And I suppose it could be Saturday mornings as well, depending on when one worships. But, But again, we miss out when we're not spending that quality time with God. Do you like spending one-on-one time with your child? Do you like spending time with your children as a group? If so, now we have an idea of how God feels about his time with his children. It was precious and sacred and should be taken with seriousness and, and with a sense of care for what God wanted. And it, was, and it was for their benefit. See, that's the key here. It was all for their benefit. It was the to worship time with God one-on-one, but it was for the benefit of the people. And so again, like I said, after you know, again studying this, we can see why the um, why the Jewish people take the Sabbath so seriously and what God commanded. They didn't want to uh, do anything wrong, so um, to provoke him, <laughs> so they really wanted to cover so many bases, you know. And so let's look at verses fifteen to eighteen here to see what else is said. And it says that work shall be done for six days, but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest. Holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall be, per, shall be uh, surely put to death. Therefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And when he had made an end of, um, of speaking with him on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. So we see even if they did work, they would be put to death. So it wasn't just being put out from the people, but also uh, doing work and profaning God and disobeying him was also payable on death. But you see, we take a look here at the term set in stone. The term set in stone was a serious thing. And none more serious than something that comes with laws that God wrote with his own finger. If something is written in stone, it cannot be erased, it can't be ripped up or deteriorated like paper. But it was given to Moses. See, the Sabbath was a uh, was a very important thing as God reminded it to the people a few times. We are not bound by the Sabbath laws in the New Testament as God made it very clear to the children of Israel that this is to be observed by them and their generations. 
Because Christ fulfilled the law and he is our Sabbath. And we too, okay, we too observe the Lord's day. So I just wanted to make sure that there was no confusion with Sabbath observation. But as always, I try to teach whatever verse or chapter for what it is saying. And this is what God said to the people of Israel. Now, there are some Christians who try to observe the Sabbath in the way that was instructed to the Jewish people, and, and that's perfectly fine. I actually knew one who said that I just want to do uh, whatever possible to please the Lord. And he felt like observing that in the way that they did was a step towards that. And I say, well, good for him, and I, I pray that God bless him in his journey uh, with it. But we all have to remember one thing on that day. And that is our time spent with God and how it is spent is what he wants us to focus on. You know, I love Sundays. Uh, For us who celebrate on Sundays, because I have always felt a difference on that day compared to others during the week. There always seems to be a little more of a sense of calm on Sunday. But do we just come and receive on Saturday or Sunday and and then leave God in the sanctuary throughout the week? Well, I should hope not, because we can deprive ourselves of the Lord. I have been guilty of many things that I question at times. I I have done the Sunday thing only before. I I know the feeling of what, what I mentioned. I have mentioned before about kids, okay, teenagers going to church to be with people their own age, and because of the programs and the activities they provide. I have been there. I, I have experienced it to where uh, they get that and, and it, it disappears to the point to where they no longer go to church. Many fall away from God, especially when they go to college, unfortunately. See, what God was looking for was true worship and quality time with his people. And, and still, you know, and still does, does a friend of mine, um, uh, a friend of mine has a granddaughter. And her granddaughter said, uh, I don't always go because that's the only day that I get to sleep in. And my friend said, well, how would you like God sleeping in on you? (laughs) And I was like, wow, that was a good one. But see, now we know that God doesn't sleep. But I know where she was going with that because I just cannot stress enough how much God wants you and I in collective worship and in one-on-one time. See, think of the person that you enjoy spending time with the most in life and and put that focus on him and see where it goes. It will always always go good because he loves and adores his children and he loves and adores you. And he wants you with him. He wants you to pray and fellowship with him and he with you. And as always, at the end of every message, I give the opportunity to meet the Lord through prayer of receiving His only begotten Son, Christ Jesus. But again, let's think about what was just said here. I mentioned earlier what my my friend's granddaughter said. That's the only day I get to sleep in. And, And it's funny because we can see that when people make comments like that, well, it's their own comments. I care more about myself. I care more about what I need and what I want. And yeah, I'll, I'll uh, see God whenever I want to see Him, and so on and so forth. And and um, you know, I think we know as parents when our uh, when our children you know ignore us. You know, I can see now where God comes from when we ignore Him. But God is not to be ignored. 
and, and nor should parents or grandparents for for the love of all things we need to be uh, we need to be close with one another but f- but more than anything closer to God because God is the one who brings everything and everyone together amen and, and so if it weren't for him if it weren't for God there would be no there would be no family unity there there wouldn't be in truth at least and, and so when we come together to spend that time with him, what a blessed time it is. What a blessed time it is with one another. What a blessed time with uh, with him. You know, he created heaven for us to be there with him and, and so on and so forth. He just didn't build it for him and his angels just to be there and, and, and to watch us down here. No, he wanted us up there with him and with the angels and with everything that's going on. Because God is a God of love and he is a, he's a God of invitation. And he invites us to be with him. And and so even though he he requested take that one day aside, take that one day aside at least, and and uh, spend it with me full day. That wasn't much to ask, you know, not much to ask at all. But you know, I got to give it to uh, the Jewish people of the day because you know they they made it a practice to pray to God three times a day. And it wasn't commanded. It was just something that they did. And I, I loved the response that I heard from a rabbi. Because you know, a lot of people question, well, why did that happen? Why did they do that? Was there a commandment? No, there wasn't. Because the rabbi said it perfectly. He said, imagine you're at work. And you wanted to call your spouse, like your husband or your wife, to check in on them and say hello. And you do it because you love them and you want to know how they're doing and you want to just you want to hear their voice and I thought that was a wonderful illustration on why they pray three times a day to God so spend that day with him use it wisely use it in holiness right but spend every day with him pray to him three times a day pray to him ten times a day God won't mind (laughs) just spend it with him spend it with him in quality but you know what There's, there's, there's a way to do that we don't just uh, we don't just go and call up random family or random people. We don't call up people we don't know. They won't they won't know us, nor will they talk to us. <laughs> so we want to make sure that, that that we are of God. And how do we become one with God? We receive Him. We receive His Son, Christ Jesus, as Lord and Savior. And by that, you have access now through prayer, through worship, through relationship, through being a family. Because you have accepted Him not just as Lord, not just as Savior, but as your Father. And so if you want that, the God of invitation is now wanting to invite you to receive Him. And to do so by prayer. So I want to ask you, if you feel led, it's up to you. To go ahead and say this prayer with me. Dear God, please forgive me. Forgive me of all of my sins. As I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. Please forgive me and cleanse me of all sins. And I thank you for dying on the cross. I thank you for cleansing me of my sins, Lord. I thank you for having me as one of your own as I receive you as my Father and my Savior, my Lord. Father, I love you. 
I thank you and I praise you. And I receive you now in my heart to live with me for all days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, as always, you know, it's such a pleasure. And as always, I pray that you had uh, said that prayer. You know, I mean, it's, it's good to hear the Word of God. You know, whether you're hearing it for the first time or, or whether you're looking to grow. It's good to hear it all the time. It's good to be with Him all the time. It's what a voice in the distance is here for. To bring us closer to God. To lead us to God if we don't know Him. And to grow us in God through His Word, through prayer. So may God continue to keep you. May He continue to to bless you. And may you continue to walk with Him. And just watch and see what happens. You know, we're not guaranteed uh, a perfect life. Because we're here on earth. But we are guaranteed eternal life. Because of what we have done through receiving Him. So may God bless and keep you, and may you walk closely with Him and one another for all of our days. God bless you.